now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. See, a United States Astro Robot becomes a creature of death. And these. We have come here to this planet for one purpose only, to acquire breeding stuff to repopulate our planet. And welcome to Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B movie podcast from Class the Colts and the Cheese in Between. The movies are beep. Darren Heyman is grade A. And I'm your host, Mr. Jason Jacanetti. And I'm joined again by my dad, Mr. Al Jacanetti. Good morning, Jason. Today we have a uh, an adaptation of an H.G. Wells uh, short story, and I, I use the adaptation loosely. Uh, it's called Empire of the Ants. And we'll get to it right after this. Of all history's prophets, none has a greater degree of credibility than H.G. Wells. With his predictions of moon landings, ray guns, sonic signaling devices, is Wells right again in his prediction of dangers to come in Empire of the Ants? In this fantastic tale, Wells tells the chilling story of a colony of ants who feed on atomic waste, causing them to grow into large, voracious monsters. Let's get out of here! Come on! And these giant ants are actually able to control humans. He needs us. That's why it has to be this way. Why we must obey. At first, the people don't understand. They must be forced into submission. After their indoctrination, they realize that the ants only want us to take care of them and work for them, feed them. That's the way it should be. They are superior. to go that way and they don't want us to go back the way we came. My God, they're hurting us like cattle!
H.G. Wells' Empire of the Ants. For they shall inherit the Earth sooner than you think. Empire of the Ants was released July 29, 1977 with an 89-minute running time. Your director is Bert I. Gordon, uh, who also gets a writing credit on it with John Turley. Uh, now, Bert I. Gordon, of course, um, was known, uh, you know, obviously he was a filmmaker and stuff like that. He was known for movies like King Dinosaur, The Amazing Colossal Man, Earth vs. the Spiders, uh, Village of the Giants, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, uh, usually referred to as, quote-unquote, Mr. Big. He liked having big things in his movies. Mm. Um, he, he's not, he was not... Uh, he's much very in the Roger Corman school of filmmaking about like you know putting it, it's it's you know light and get away kind of thing like he it, the stuff on the screen and and we we'll talk about it as we go through the movie um, was not always he wasn't always worried about getting like the absolute best looking special effects as long as the there was a lot of his movies weren't designed to be blockbusters they were designed for drive-ins and stuff like that so. Uh, your executive producer is Samuel Z. Arkoff. Um, he's also gives a, got a producer credit. Arkoff, of course, um, is uh, that's uh, AIP uh, International. Yeah. Um, you know the idea of the Arkoff formula. You know, kind of thing, um, which is you know your you got action, revolution, killing, oration, fantasy, and uh, at some point the end of what the last step was for fornication because he wanted to make sure he had some sex appeal for young mm -hmm. adults, right? Um, but it worked, and people laugh about that stuff. But it's amazing how many films uh, that he produced, AIP put out, and whatever. Even Roger Corman had the same ideas that followed this same formula. And those movies, whether you look back at them and love them or hate them or whatever, mm -hmm. made money. Yeah, well, didn't they put out the, quite a quite a few of the uh, the Vincent Price? Uh, yeah. Okay. No, well, no. Okay. So that was what? that was uh, that was the Corman Poe movies, and oh, it was wow. all part of the. They, they're all kind of intertwined together. Yeah. Um, the difference is, is that uh, when Bird Eye Gordon's involved, that's when you started getting into the giant bug stuff of the yeah. late fifties, late sixties, and seven, and into the seventies. Um, your stars here are, and we'll talk more about them as we go. Joan Collins, uh, Robert Lansing, John uh, John Carson. Um, it actually uh, in the cast as well is um, uh, Brooke Palance, who's the daughter of Jack Palance, mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, some of you might recognize Robert Pine, um, and you might say, "Hey, it's the guy from Chips." It is. It's the the yeah. lieutenant from Chips, but it's also uh, what's his name, um, the actor now. Uh, I've got Pine, Chris Pine. Chris Pine. It's his dad, yeah. um, and it's so funny because when you see, because on Chips he's like almost completely bald. And he's balding here, but when you look at his face and you look at Chris Pine's face, like oh, they kind of look a, a little alike there. You kind of can see it. Um, and then you have Jacqueline Scott, um, Pamela Shoup. Uh, Where's I'm trying to. Think. Uh, and then um, um, Tom Fadden uh, is this is his last role before he passed away in 1980. Um, again, not exactly the the heaviest of heavy hitters from your you know 60s and whatever, but they were people who you kind of faces you knew. From TV and yeah. stuff like that, especially so. And especially Joan Collins. Well, jo yeah, but Joan Collins was the big get for the, the movie. Get, yeah. yeah, she's the big get for the movie. Um, obviously, this is considered to be the third and last film in the AIP's H.G. Wells film cycle, starting in '76 with Food of the Gods, which you can listen to on this podcast we covered, and then 1977 they did The Island of Doctor Moreau. Um, and then this is considered to be the third film that came out before this. Right. So this completes the unofficial. 
um, trilogy. Now, of course, Island of Dr. Moreau does not feature giant insects or animals of any kind, um, but it's all part of H.G. Wells kind of thing. And uh, the one thing you could guarantee, and that was something that um, Roger Corman exploited, Roger Corman knew that if you put Edgar Allan Poe's name on something, right. it you know, kind of like H.G. Wells in the 70s, especially. Um, and again, some of you are probably might be too young to even remember any of this stuff. I mean, I was obviously too young, but knowing my history, when you would put on a movie in, you know, H.G. Wells, Food of the Gods, like it, it carried some gravitas to it kind of thing. It was like eventually when you got Stephen King's whatever, yeah. even though most Stephen King movies are garbage. Um, you know, it, Stephen King himself was such a a prolific author, and so whatever it, his name carries yeah. the weight. I mean, the, the key when when, when you saw H. G. Wells, you know, the, the H. G. Wells story, like, like the uh, you know, the well, time, the time machine time and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it you get disappointed more times than not because the adaptation on the screen, okay. It doesn't even lend you to want to go read the book. Well, but the thing is, what they were just trying to go for. So remember when we talked about like, uh, like, okay. So remember when the Incredible Melting Man? They were like, with you know the guy, the with the effects from, and then he listed like the Exorcist for like, you know, uh, um, Baker and Baker's like, I didn't work on the Exorcist. It was Dick Smith, and it's like, but you were there. He goes, I was there for a day and moved some props around. Like, but it's all about how do you market your movie, and you want. So the thing is, in the seventies. Um, some people might remember the show In Search Of. Um, not 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 the documentary series that now exists, which is amazing, but the original In Search Of's, the first two, which is Ancient Aliens and Astronauts from Space. Or I think that. I think that's, I never remember that. Rod, Rod Serling did them. Right. And those two TV movies were outstanding, but it was all about, like, you know, visitors from other planets and all this stuff and hg wells wrote science fiction and it's a name people know like you know the idea of war of the worlds and all that stuff like wells's name is synonymous with with science fiction just like edgar Allan poe his name is synonymous with horror and like, stephen king and whatever so like the in search of was huge on television remember that you know eventually you know you would i mean kolchak didn't run a long time but kolchak begot the x-files there was you know then you even had um the norlis tapes which was trying to take off into its own series and it became nothing just a one-off you're still at you're at the tail end twilight zone have wrapped up but what's also going on night gallery Mm -hmm. like they knew what sold you know kind of thing you wanted to get you know there was there was money to be made in in horror and science fiction and whatever. And, you know, by, this is 77. So, I mean, I understand like science fiction changes with, with, uh, you know, um, Star Wars, but like Jaws already is out. Like they're like, it was Peter Benchley's Jaws. And then Jaws went to be the number one bestseller for forever. Right. The Exorcist, you know, the, the book by Blatley went crazy kind of thing. Right. Even the Omen and like things like that. And Rosemary's baby, you know, uh, Ira, uh, Levin, you know, he sold so many more copies once the yeah. movie came out. So, no, no, what, what it really boils down to is the, as I said, is if you take uh, a known quantity like yep. a, like a bestseller book, and you turn it into a blockbuster movie like Jaws, that's one. Well, thing. That's one thing, yeah. But when you take a bestseller book and you turn it into a eh, type of movie, uh, that I mean that that happens more times than than not. And when we always talk about the the hits, but there are more misses, and like. To me, this was if I was Ed Grantland. I mean, if I was H.G. Wells, and this was one of this was the adaptation of this because this is the only one that that I can remember that was based on on his story that nobody else did. 
I'd probably roll over my grave. Yeah. Well, a part of it also, this this was also trying to play off Food of the Gods. Food of the Gods was such a big hit yeah. in the drive through circuit. I mean, and uh, Food of the Gods is a much better film. Yes, and, and the... The, the, and the effects the, in there the are much better. Yeah, make make it. I mean, here yeah. it gets. Well, we'll talk yeah. about it, but it gets it gets a little a little boring. Yeah. Well. Anyway. Okay. So um, you have a. So you see the the movie opens with them dumping toxic waste barrels into the ocean, and there's probably no bigger trigger in this movie for current day people than to watch them. Oh, they're polluting the ocean with toxic waste. Like I'm watching this, and I laugh to myself because I say, Oh my god. Anyone watching this now who doesn't, who hasn't already seen this or is not in the right mind, they would lose their mind because, oh, how can they do this, right? But but you got to get the toxic waste there somehow. So that's how you get it there. Yeah. And since we're not in New Jersey, we can't just have someone fall out a window and fall into it, Toxic Avenger, yeah. and have that happen. Um, so they, they're dumping that. So well, um, and and the issue the issue with them dumping the uh, the the barrels is that the very next scene you see. Uh, the the barrel now all rusted. Right. So, but what what you don't what what to me what what I wanted to know was how you know when did they dump the barrels because it'll take quite a while for them one because they're out in the middle of nowhere they're not you don't see any land anywhere and they it's going to take quite a while for the barrels one first of all they're going to sink to the to the ocean floor and I, I they, they they weigh hundreds of pounds and I'm sure that they, they they're not going to float. Because they all they all dropped to the bottom, but when we see that 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 the barrel rusted and the ants sucking up the the toxic yeah. waste, right? The next scene, I mean, you okay, but all these things clearly don't happen right yeah. after each other. I know they're shown like that, but they're that's not happens. Oh, yeah. So during the opening narration, um, the narrator briefly describes to the viewers um, ants and their behavior and notes that ants use pheromones to communicate and how they uh, cause an obligatory response that must be obeyed. And as he says, uh, but we uh, don't have to worry about it. And it like pauses. Um, so as the opening crowds roll, that's when the radioactive waste is dumped um, into the ocean. And eventually one of the barrels washes up on shore begins to leak a silvery goo attracting local ants, which seem to feed on it. That's where we're caught with. So the opening of the movie is setting it up. It's trying to keep it science. It's trying to Jack Arnold it for you. You know, give you a little bit of science, right, kind of thing about ants, um, which is, you know, true. Ants do do these things. Um, but then they're trying to, you know, so... Then, okay, so meanwhile, you have now a shady land developer who's Marlon Fraser. Uh, That's Joan Collins. She takes a bunch of new clients out to view some beachfront property on a nearby island. Okay, so they're at a luncheon, and this is where I think this is why. So some people have said Food of the Gods are like, oh my god, like who cares? They're playing football, whatever. There has to be some story why they're going into the woods to go on a hunting trip. But Food of the Gods, like, starts going, and then, like, things keep moving. moving. This movie, like, starts, grinds to a halt, and drags you along the most awkward, rapey, like, uh, creepy luncheon you've ever seen for about 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, it's 20, no, it's, I, I actually put it down, it's 20 minutes. Well, but someone gets killed near the end, yeah, at least yeah. it picks up. Oh, yeah. But I'm saying is, but but if there's at least 15, 10 to 15 minutes of, like, Oh my god, are we really watching this? Are we really watching? And it's the most awkward, stilted conversation. Like you just you don't care about any of these. I know they're trying to make you care about people. You just don't. Yeah. You don't like like I don't I don't care if everyone dies. And you know Joan Collins is kind of shady because that's kind of like you can kind of tell right away, even before she starts even like saying, You're here to like turn on the charm and you're like 
but it's like everyone's there to like get the free booze, the free meal, right. the free whatever. It's like they're all scammers. And you're like, oh God, like seriously? Yeah, the, it, only, the only one who's not a scammer is the... Is the, is the boat the, captain. Well, the, well, the boat, no, okay, no, no, as one of the... Uh, the, the uh, Oh, oh, the, the, yeah. The lady, the, the lady who was, she had gotten fired from her job, and now she's trying to figure out, is there a way, you know, to still have a Yeah, I think that's just Jacqueline Scott. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Right. Uh, I mean, but I'm, what I'm saying is, like, she's trying to, she's looking at it as an actual development, right, kind of thing, right? But everyone else is super sketch and shady and whatever, and you're like, okay. So, um, so, you, so they're having this, this, the most awkward lunch. Rob, uh, um, um, Robert Pine's character is Larry Graham, and his wife is, um, uh, where, where is she? Uh, it's Brooke Palance, and that's Christine Grant. So that's Jack Palance's daughter, plays his wife. So he's like, the problem is is like he's he's kind of a latch. I mean, he's what he really is. Yeah. He comes on to it's Pamela Shoop's character, Corrine, and she winds up kneeing him in the groin. And like this whole thing's going, you're like, okay. And you're just sitting there going, see, this is what I said to you. I don't remember. I remember the toxic waste, and then I remember the ants. I don't remember this 20 minutes. In my mind, right. my mind has blocked this out, I think, like, from PTSD. But, right. like, it just doesn't... I don't remember this. Like, I don't remember... I remember seeing the, the, the toxic waste part, but I remember watching this on Super Scary Saturday with, you know, with um, on TBS with, like, Grandpa Munster or on USA Up All Night with uh, either Rhonda Shear or Gilbert Godfrey, you know, kind of thing. These are the kind of movies they should show. Right. Right? And this was on TBS a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. And I remember most, the back half of the movie, I 100% remember. And I remember anything with the ants, I remember. But like this part, I'm like, why don't I remember this? And I know why, because it's so awkward and horrible. And if this was on Misty, I could not imagine the amount of ripping them apart they would have done to them. But, so anyway, so now the party's going on and whatever. And at one point during there, uh, the Lawsons, who are Mary and Thomas, um... He's trying to find where the lie is. Who? How are they lying? So he goes and starts searching. He looks for the, the the fire hydrant, which is real, and the fake pipes. He starts ripping the pipes out of the ground. He goes, "See, it's all fake. They're all liars. Everyone's a liar." Meanwhile, he's there, knowing full well he's not buying anything. He's there for the the booze, the booze and, the, and, and the lunch, and the lunch. right? Um, and that's the first time we get introduced now to the ants, and the ants kill them, right? And you're saying to yourself, going, "Okay." I feel good that the ants have now killed them because I didn't like these people. Anyway, you don't feel bad that they're now dead. But here's the crazy part. They get, everyone else gets on, they're, it's not like they're miles away. They're literally adjacent to the tent. They all get on the tram and leave and they go, where are the Lawsons? I don't know. We, they, we, they didn't get on back at the thing. Wait, what? Like they literally were killed feet from you. You drive on the tram several more feet, where they then stop, and um, Joe and Corrine jump off to go look, look for the Lawsons, but not like they have to go searching for the law. No, they do find the two workers' bodies that right. are discovered, right? They find them, and then right next to that is the pipes. The can, can they not see you from the tram? What are you, 15 feet away? Like, I understand, but it's like, this This is where this movie falls apart. Like, if you didn't have, I just hear me out. If yeah. you didn't have this part of it, like the, 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 the lunch, the whatever, all that, if you took all of that out, the, the back 
three quarters of this movie is not too bad by way yeah, the effects no, no. for story it all right. makes sense yeah this feels tacked on because we're like we can't release this it's only the like, movie's only like 78 minutes they go we can't have a 45 minute movie right so this stuff feels tacked on yeah i mean the with the lawsons when they, when they, they they get killed the the, the first shot of the of the ants is obviously real ants magnified really yeah, really yeah. high, and then there's there's a, there's a, there's some puppets uh, you know yep. in there not full not full size nope, but they heads. have the claws and, yeah, the, and the, the mandibles and stuff and, yeah and that's not okay I mean that that looks a lot like the the puppet head quote unquote from food of the gods right. when the rats attack him you can tell it's not a real rat but like it's a physical puppet that the guy's wrestling with you yeah. know kind of thing yeah so I mean, that wasn't bad that that's the first time you see it uh, the the issue that i have is that later on they they they, re well, they reuse the same scene reuse the exact same yeah. scene with with the with with the as a as a blue screen or not a blue screen but as a it's uh, a traveling mat traveling mat and you've got you can actually see that it's well, it's, it's it's as it's so foggy as as can this be. is this is the the if people want to say this is the downside of Blu-ray, and yeah. you watch the DVD, yeah, the DVD right. can even show up. The Blu-ray is even crisper, and you're like, oh boy, like you can. It is not even close that you're watching a shot of something and then literally a shot yeah. taped to it, you know, kind of thing. You know what I you know what I I, I, I equated this to was the beginning of the end. The, the 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 photography and that yeah. special effects because it's exactly the same yeah. thing it's, yeah. it's, it's it's grasshoppers it's in a, in a, and they're real grasshoppers well, but walking it, up. so the thing is you can see them climbing up the glass right. and stuff there at least here they didn't have any ant midway up in the air at least they were still on a pile so um so as as Joe and Corian go to investigate um the ants invade the boat which is the best scene I think that they, with real ants in it. Yeah. The ants going down the plankway to the boat is one of the best scenes, and that is the scene they show every single time in the commercial. Every time they're like, this Saturday night, come watch Empire of the Ants. They always show that scene. Why? Because it looks cool. Yeah. You're like, oh, if the movie looks like this, this might be pretty good. It doesn't. But it's like they go to the boat, and now that's when Dan, <laughs> the captain... Is on the boat, right, with the first mate. And you're like, well, I know the first mate's not going to make it because he doesn't have a name. Then Dan yells some random name, whatever the guy's name is, probably the actual actor's real name. He's not even billed in the credits. Um, Dan then sets fire to the boat. The only way off the island. Let's burn it down. Not maybe let's try to kill the ants. I know, I know he wasn't trying to set fire to the boat, but magically. Well, no, but they dumped they dumped the, uh, the right. gasoline. Well, that's because he's trying to splash them with the gasoline. The gasoline goes everywhere. He goes, all right, I guess we're gonna burn the whole burn the whole boat. So they burn the whole boat down, and then Dan swims back ashore. The the fire keeps uh, the okay. So they realize that the ants don't like fire, which I mean you know it's pretty easy to figure that out. So they build themselves a nice big fire, which logically makes perfect sense. But of course, what's going to happen is a big rainstorm because God forbid we don't have a giant rainstorm to put out our fire. Uh, so the fire keeps the ants away until the storms. It forces them to into the woods um, and the group tries to reach the river. At this point, Harry and Velma, who are literally the, the, that's the old couple in the movie, right? Kind of. So Harry yeah. and Velma, they are running and they decide they can't run anymore. Um, Harry is Harry Combs and uh, Velma was uh, um, Irene uh, Treadrow. Um, they they decide they're going to hide out in the shed. And you're thinking like, oh, well, they're, they're definitely going to die in the shed. Well, they go hide in the shed and then they cut away from them. 
Because you hear the ants all around. I'm like, okay. Well, they hide in the shed. You're like, okay, there's no way. Like, yeah, they got to get killed, he right? He says to the wife, hey, well, we made it. We well, made well it no, not yet. Not yeah. yet. That's later. Because they come back. Because you forget that they're not dead yet. Yeah. Right? Um, because they go in. I didn't start writing. They leave the group and then I put, and are killed. And I had to cross out and put hide out. Hide because out. they hide out. At this point, now they're running through the woods. Now, Christine, um, who is, uh, that's Jack Pounce's daughter, um, Brooke, um, she, the ants attack, and this is when, uh, um, what's his name, uh, Larry, who's her husband, that's Robert, that's Robert Pine, chooses not to save her. her. Like, he's he's a lech and just a just disgusting person, and now he's just a despicable person. You're like, so he lets the ants kill her, um, as it may, as they're running through the woods, and they're all running, getting to, trying to get to the river, because they know with the river, the, the workers had a boat tied up, because that's how the workers worked their way in. Now, it's an island. I'm not sure about a, like a river, but okay, I'm willing to buy that there's a river, but it's an island, right? They keep telling us it's, it's an island. I don't think it's an island. I think it's a peninsula. Cause, right, because right? yeah. there's no, they didn't cross a bridge later to get out of there. No, they all arrived by car. Right, that's what I'm saying. What well, or some on the boat? But no, they yeah. drove their cars. They drove their cars to the pier to and the they pier. drove the boat over. But I feel like this might not be an island. They keep saying island, but it's peninsula, because eventually they go to other towns right, yeah. that are attached. Which would make you not an island because I mean, they don't cross. Because the ants don't swim. So yeah, they, they, right. Exactly. I'm. I'm just. I'm just saying. You know, continuity. I mean, you know, I never oh. let continuity get away a good story. That's by the way. I, by the way, now, now we're halfway. We're halfway through the movie, and if you, you know, if you recall, Jaws was done in 1976. I mean, that's 75. when it came out. Okay. Yeah, 75. All of a sudden, at at some point, there is a riff on the uh, in the soundtrack that is the Jaws theme. Dum, yes. dum, 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 dum. And then they, then it stops. So you stole that thing to, to put it in here, just to. Well, no, to, they stole just enough so, that it's not that it's right, yeah, under copyright, right? They don't have the copyright. Um, so, uh, so um, Charlie, Christine is going. Charlie is killed after saving Marlene. Okay, so Marilyn. So Charlie. So Marilyn's back at the thing, and um, what happens is. They go to try to get into the shed, not the shed. Excuse me, the uh, the the um, the warrant, the dilapidated like clubhouse, clubhouse, and there's ants in there. So they start running to the woods too, because they are separated from the group. But Charlie is then killed, saving Marilyn's life. Right, all the survivors now get on, get to the boat, and they start to row down the river, because that's the important part. Like, like they're trying to go down the river. And they hear the ants all around them, which is a pretty good effect. I mean, you don't see anything, right. but it's like, okay. And you're thinking like, man, like they, you know, you're going down this river. There are trees hanging out. Like, right. where, where are the ants going to come in, you know? And, you know? and the sound that you hear uh, reminded me of them. Because they, yeah, which yeah. is the sound we hear every every night in the summer here. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah outside. Yeah, right, exactly. But it's supposed to be, right? Um, meanwhile, the old couple, who we've forgotten haven't been killed. Right come out of the shed, and they're surrounded by ants. Now, they don't show the two of them getting ripped apart or anything because it's now literally the old couple on a piece of film and then superimposed over the film is ants in, like, some container kind of all over the place, right? We're supposed to believe they're on the shed. We now believe that now, now we have to believe that they are dead, although we don't actually see them get their end, so maybe they bounced and they got out of there, but who knows? 
Uh, where were you? Um, as they head down the river, they run into a log blocking it. And now they got to get the log out of the way. So the ants attack. It makes perfect sense. The right. ants have now kind of set a trap for them. And that's where the puppet, the, the, the best the, puppet, yes. uh, yeah. you know, the shot. Right, because you're, you're, now, you're now in frame puppet with yeah. humans in frame. So it's, and it, that, I mean, the ants setting the trap. Like I said, the problem is if you took out the, the beginning part of this, the story makes sense. It, like the ants are kind of herding them to the river. They're kind of push. The ants are pushing them where they want to go. All of that makes sense, however the execution might be in effects. Right. The story makes sense. It's you know, um, after they uh, they so now they can't get through. They double back, and they're attacked again. And in this time, Larry is killed, and the boat is lost. Right. Right. So now they're they got to get out of the they got to get out of the water because they can't stay in the water. So mind you, I understand like they're worried about the giant ants. Looking at the vegetation and the um, other, I don't know, like the way, like with the way the river looks, there has to be snakes and other poisonous things and whatever. Like this could turn into frogs real quick, kind of thing. Yeah. Different movie, uh, you know, kind of thing. Like this is not just giant. Thing. So they're they're hopping in and out of that water, and I'm like, man, I don't know. That water is real murky, real whatever. Like there's all kinds of stuff in there too. too. Yeah, right, exactly. There's nothing. If there's, but if there's giant ants, you don't know what else there could be giant whatever, right? right? Because if you think about it, giant leeches, not the giant leeches, the movie, but like if there are leeches in there and they get on, you're not pulling that thing off. I mean, leeches are hard to get off anyway, but it's just one of those things that like, yes, we have these giant ants, but they don't seem too concerned that maybe anything else is eating the ants or has eaten whatever made the ants big, right? Um... Which is where the which is where the food of the gods kind of thing. I mean, that's the funny part. Is food of the gods. He said, "Is there anything you didn't feed this stuff to?" Because they fed it to right. every the chickens and the whatever. Right? Um, where are we here? So they double back. Okay. So Larry's killed. The ants seem to be hurting them in a certain direction, and it's true because they had to go into the woods, and the ants are there to stop them. And this is one of the scenes you're talking about, where it's just reused footage over yeah. and over again. Um, the ants are kind of trying to, you know, herd them a certain way. Right? So they continue along the bank of the river where they know the ants at any time can kill them. Just going, you know, now up or down the river, however you want to say, you know, they're going along the banks. They continue and they see, and then at one point they see two different types of ants at war. You see a red ant and, and the small red ants and, and the black, black ants, ants, which again is a direct reference to them, which literally talks about how ants make war and whatever. It's literally, I mean, it's not the same footage, but it could be the same footage, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, basically, it's now, and these ants are fighting each other. So it's not even that it's just the ants are in control of everything. There are other ants that have gotten into the, what do you call it, and they've gotten big, but now you have the bigger, which is, again, for those of you who don't have these kind of ants, uh, we have the ants up here. The red ants are tend to be smaller and there's, but there's just millions of them. They just yeah. never let up. And the larger black ants, which we have here too, they when when they larger black ants at times will crack open a nest of the whatever if they're looking to kill them. But then you have red ants swarm. Mm. It's crazy to think, but that's what happens. And 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 when you see, and that's what they have here. They just have a larger black ant or a couple black ants and some red ants, and they threw them in a in a, in a container and gave them a little shake, and they start killing each other because that is what they naturally do. Um, so uh, where are we, um, so they come upon two old farmers at this fence, 
um, who call the sheriff. Now the woman, the old woman, whispers something to uh, one of the one, to uh, one of the women, right? But we don't know what it is. So the, the sheriff comes and he brings them into town, right? Now um, the as the sheriff is bringing them into town, right? He's like, oh, no problem. We'll get you fixed up. We'll do this, whatever. Like, it's like, you know, you start thinking like, okay, like this all makes sense. Like they're going to go into town, get a car, get whatever. Um, and and as as they're going into town, uh, they go by the sugar refinery. Of because, course. Yes, well, had, well, it had to be a sugar refinery. That's what I said. I said, of course, it's a sugar refinery. Right. So they go by the sugar refinery. And um, as they go by the sugar refinery, and they see that the sugar refinery is, you know, is, is working full tail. And it looks like they're just going into this town, right? And they don't. And it seems pretty innocuous at first. Um, but he even says, you know, if you need anything, you know, let us know. And we're going to go out there. Um, we're going to go out there, and we'll take care of it with a couple of deputies. They go, a couple of deputies? That won't work. You'll have, you know, uh, there's too many ants. He goes, ah, don't worry about. it. I'm not worried about the ants. And it's just like very dismissive, but by the same token, if someone said to you we were attacked by giant ants, you might be dismissive of that too. Yeah. Um, just saying, um, you know. And uh, your 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 sheriff is Albert uh, uh, Salami, um, Salami, yeah. Salami, excuse me. Um, and you know he's a face you recognize. Um, you know, yeah, he's, he's in, in Escape from Planet of the Apes. He's right. in Caddyshack. Yeah. He's in Dragon Slayer. Right, um, he was on Mission Impossible, the TV show. Like he was in a whole bunch yeah, of stuff. He's probably other than Joan Collins. Yeah, he's the biggest. He's probably the biggest. Thing. Well, Robert Lansing is was was at the time in the seventies. Yeah. Was was in a lot of TV shows. But again, the that 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 he's at the end of the movie is fine because he's a good actor. Yeah, and uh, I, you know the thing was is that he his attitude is is benevolent. He he wants to help them all. And he says, you know, go, go. Yeah, to he appears the, like yeah. he's going to help them, but it's yeah. not. It's just a front. So for those of you who want to, Robert Lansing, um, you might have heard him. He was in 4D Man, The Man Who Never Was. Um, he was in The Nest, which is later. He was on uh, Star Trek, yeah. uh, an episode of Star Trek. He, I mean, he even still acting was on like into the 90s on Law and Order and right. stuff like yeah. that. Like yeah. he's he's an actor you've seen. Um, he's in episodes of Monsters. Most people might remember that show. Alfred Cook presents The Equalizer. A lot of the TV shows of the time he right. was on, yeah. right? Um, and so, obviously, they get to the town, and uh, where are we here? Uh, they so they um, the old woman's Corrine reveals warns them not to go to the sugar refinery. The old woman had warned her not to go there. Um, so then Joe try Joe uh, tries to call his friend in the State Department, right? Uh, yeah, in the State Department. Now Joe. Is uh, John David Carlson or Carson? Excuse me, John David Carson. Um, again, another TV actor. He was in Pretty Woman, and, and he, obviously he was on, but he was on Falcon Crest, and he, um, you know, Simon and Simon, and then he was on like uh, The Law and Harry McGraw, like things like. Again, these are TV shows. Um, it's a lot of TV actors in this. Um, he goes try to call the State Department and the the secretary, the secretary, the receptionist. Mm -hmm. Operator, I'll get it. It's one of those things. Uh, the operator says the the long distance lines are down. He's like, oh, okay. Well, that you know, it could happen, right? Meanwhile, the mayor is in the hotel screaming at somebody long distance about we need more sugar. You got to bring more sugar. Drive all night. I don't care. Like OSHA laws be damned. Like you know, there are regulations and rules here, buddy, about yeah. how you can haul sugar. You know, but it's so funny because again, it's sugar, right? 
what do the when them what is stolen? Yeah. The sugar. Forty. You know, it's, it's, it's forty tons of sugar. sugar. It's sugar black. Yeah. It's sugar uh, hot cargo. Is there a black market for sugar? sugar? Right. You know. But that's the problem. Is that like it? This movie. If you've never seen them, it wouldn't. Whatever. But once you've seen them, you're like, okay, I've seen this done better. You know, with a better story, better acting. You know, because let's be honest. I mean, them is is so influential. Yeah. As a movie, like you, I know some people say, well, you know, King, like, yes, King Kong is very much, but when you look at the giant, bu- them is like the beginning of the giant bugs, and every other movie is trying to be them, yeah. which is, isn't that so crazy? Because sometimes you'll have movies that come out, like when, when we talk about like Friday the 13th, the original Friday the 13th, right? And that kind of started Halloween. Let's back it up. Psycho is the original slasher movie, yes, but Psycho is not a slasher movie. In the idea of what we got in the 80s, right? I mean, it is, but it's not really, right? Because that's why the Psycho sequels and the remake, the uh, Gus Van Zandt, a travesty, never worked. Halloween, put aside whatever skills that John Carpenter brings to with his shots and music and whatever, kind of set up the idea of a mass killer doing this. And then people say, well, what about this movie? What about this Italian movie? Halloween was so important. It got, you know, Friday the 13th made. Friday the 13th said, hey, we're going to take everything from Halloween and we're going to strip it away. We're going to get to like the like the meat and potatoes of the underneath. And then in Friday the 13th part two, that's when Jason is introduced, right? right? They said, hey, remember how the first one was a whodunit? There's no more whodunit. Now we can mm-hmm. tell you who it is. Right. And that's the whole idea of stripping it away to create that streamlined, like, you can see that because other movies tried to give you the who done it, right? You're trying to figure out who the killer is here. Who, in other movies, they flat out tell you who the killer is. Like, I I, I don't remember if you I don't know if you remember the burning, but like we know who Cropsy is. It ain't a no one's thinking like, oh maybe it's this kid. No, it's Cropsy. We know it's Cropsy, and he's super cool, and he cuts people apart, and like fingers fly and everything. Like that's the whole point. Like by the time you get to Nightmare on Elm Street, which then took it to more of a higher art, which again, Wes Craven, we're talking directors who were schlock directors, quote unquote, at the time, but are now masters. Carpenter, Wes Craven, you know, these, I mean, even Sean Cunningham, people revere as like, well, he made these other films. Those kind of things streamlined it through. Them set the bar so high for every other giant bug movie, but none of them could do what them did. Because most of them don't have the story. Some do. Jack Arnold ones. Tarantula's got a good story. Uh, The Deadly Mantis has a pretty good story. I mean, and I'm I'm disqualifying anything Harryhausen. Because Harryhausen movies aren't about giant bugs. They might have giant creatures in them. But they are, you know, it's a dinosaur. It's a whatever. And even those movies which were mirrored and stolen and whatever, you can see how much love and attention like Duran and and, and Harryhausen and all those guys had for... The, I mean, The Seven Voyages of Sinbad. I mean, how many other movies tried to make Seven Voyages of Sinbad again? Even Harryhausen tried to remake... Not remake, but like make the next one, and they could never get it to the Seventh Seven Voyages of Sinbad level because sometimes everything just lines up perfectly. That's what Them is. Them is so good. You, I mean, I've seen that movie hundreds of times. It still rips your heart out. It's invasion of the original invasion of the body snatchers. You know what's going to happen. Doesn't matter. Movie's still phenomenal. You still feel for them. You still, when they're running, you feel ex- you feel tired watching it. You, you know it's going to happen. Empire of the Ants literally is coming off of Food of the Gods. Food of the Gods was actually a pretty big hit. This movie only made about two and a half million dollars in quote unquote box office. 
those numbers are a little hard because this, I think, played in drive-ins. Like, this is designed to play. It's a summer movie. Mm-hmm. This is designed for the be a half of a drive-in feature, which always which always makes numbers hard in the 70s. When you look at, like, the drive-ins and stuff like that, like, the I mean, drive-ins were much more popular, obviously, earlier than, like, not the 70s, but in, like, the late 70s, you could still go find a drive-in, and it would show two yeah. movies like this, you know, kind of thing. It wouldn't be unheard of for this to play with tentacles, you know, kind of thing, like, you know, the the the, the Italian, uh, you know, um, Calamari movie, right? You know, it, the, those movies would play together, and you could go see this, especially in the summertime, you know, you go get there at eight o'clock at night. Everyone gets their popcorn, their well, sodas, and whatever. We did that with you and you and your brother. You know, we went there and you'd sit in the back seat and well, whatever movies we wanted to watch. And most yeah. of the time, they were some monster movie. Right, right. But, you, but that's what I'm saying is this kind of plays that way. Anyway, so let's we still got to finish because yeah. um, we haven't even. So now they realize that they're being kept there on purpose because they can't even. Um, they try to rent a car, but they're not allowed to rent a car because we need your local address, like. You know I don't live here. You know I need to rent a car. Like, that's not how car rentals work. So what do they do? They steal a car. Right. Right? And uh, I I call this the Dukes of Hazard moment. Yeah. Right? (laughs) (laughs) So they go steal a car. um, And then uh, as they're trying to get away, the cops have set up a roadblock. Which is what I'm saying is they're trying to drop. If it's an island, you can't drive off the island. And the trucks. Okay. The probability that there is one island that's big enough to have two sugar refineries far enough apart where it takes hours and hours and hours to drive to them, probably not happening. 12 milkmen, while illogical, is theoretically possible. 13 is just ridiculous for those out there who are friends, fans of Freaked. Um, so, uh, where are we? So, okay, so they're, so they're going to, to the roadblock. So they... They wind up crashing now. This is the Dukes of Hazard moment. Right, yeah. They flip the car into the. This was straight out of like just the good old boys, you know, right into the into the water. Um, or um, not smoking the bandit, right? Not yeah. smoking the bandit. Um, yeah, smoking yeah, the bandit, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, where, where the uh, the, the yeah, police Bert, chief? Yeah, Bert Reynolds. And he, well, he doesn't he jump it, or is that Gator? Where he he jumps the bridge. And then the cop slams in the oh, water. I'm trying to remember which one. It's it a bunch of them. I, I, yeah, could be smoking the band. That's the one where uh, uh, smoking the band is where they're where that isn't that where they're smuggling Coors Light or something like that yeah, beer or, or or either that or or moonshine. Oh, I think it's beer. Yeah. I think that's the whole thing. Like the idea that like you couldn't get certain beer south or whatever, and they were they were smuggling they were. beer. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, those movies. Again, I don't like those as much as I like horror movies, so I don't remember all that stuff. Anyway, um, so. Uh, they try to leave town. Okay, so they now the the they crash in the swamp and are captured. Joe and Corrine are able to escape while the others are taken to the sugar refinery. So Joe and Corrine are now running through this field, right? Very children of the corn, but you know mm. there is no there's no there's no who walk behind the corn. You know there there's just giant ants and there's cops looking for them. So you know they didn't. This is not a prop. This is some real cornfield that they were like, "Hey, let's just film here." I feel like this is an incredible melting man. They're like, "Let's go get oranges." Wait, these are lemons. Who cares? Like, let's just go film this. And you're like, "Did they have permits for this?" <laughs> this feels un. You know, no permits going on here. Guerrilla filmmaking at its best. Um, so they're okay. So the sugar frame. The ant's queen is using pheromones to control the humans. Now. Let's just stop there. This is the weirdest part of this movie. There is an ant, a queen ant, who is clearly a queen ant, which is inside a little container, and it's made to look like a control, control. booth, right? And then she 
releases her pheromones, it's basically she's got flatulence like on these people, and it's just like. What? So the, the the shot they show is the people standing, and there's clearly just some st steam or whatever, and they go, oh, now they're under mind control. But you're like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But it's so 70s. This wouldn't have flown in the 60s. There's no way you're having an ant fart on somebody in the right. 70s, right? And as crazy as you might think the 1980s were, this wasn't flying in the 80s. This is so 70s. And I don't mean early. This is... Disco. This right. this is this is the this is the the White Sox wearing shorts for a couple games. This is the mid seventies. This is that like, what are you kidding me? Moment in this movie, hundred percent, right? It just makes no like you're like okay, this is nuts. But if you look at other horror movies in this vein of this time, they all have something like this in it, mm. right? This it's like it's like the was the, the movie's called The Last Shark. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's with Joe Morrow and whatever. It's the Italian ripoff. It's uh, oh, oh. Um, James Francesa. It's yeah. the Italian ripoff. There's a regatta. There's always a regatta, right? And the shark jumps out of the water, and is like pulls a helicopter into the water. And you're saying, didn't they do that in Jaws? Not the original, obviously, and, but this is one of the Italian ripoff kind of thing. But it's like always like, what? Like, how is it doing that? And I don't mean like Jaws 4, which if you want to hear Jaws 4, go back and listen to the August episode where John May and I talk about it, um, where it jumps out of the water, roars somehow, breaks the boat in half, but yet the boat doesn't, there's all different endings, then it explodes, we talk all about it. There's always some kind of what-the-heck moment going on. This is the what-the-heck moment. So now... We know that Dan, the boat captain, right, has been looking for a gun in the car, but only found a couple road flares. And you know those road flares have to come back to do something, because why else would they mention the road flares? You know, we're not going to just mention something and not use it later. So, um, where are we? Uh, as Dan is put into the chamber, um, he attacks the queen with the, with the flare. Um, this sends the ants crazy, and but it wakes up somehow... It wakes up the other humans. Like some of the humans, but some of the humans come out of it quickly. Some of them come out a little slower. But the ants go crazy and start killing people, mm. right? And there's just giant piles of sugar. And I know it's it's probably just stock footage from a refinery, but there's just mounds and mounds of sugar. And the sheriff even says, "We produce as much sugar as we can, but we got to produce more. They need more sugar. Our job is to get them sugar." <laughs> okay. Well, the ants, the ants are the, uh, the you know, the ruling class. Yeah. So, so it's, but again, I, I thought that the last 15 minutes of this thing make the movie because yeah. it, it, they have the ants walking in uh, onto the pile and then uh, uh, the, well then, they, was it so, no, so now yeah. this is when Corrine and Dan come back because yeah. they've now, uh, and they're trying to lead people, Jerry, not Dan, Joe and Corrine Joe come and back, Dan. right? Dan is the, uh, is the, um, the captain of the ship. Um, they return and they start leading everyone away. So Marilyn is attacked and killed because she had Joan Collins has to get her comeuppance. And you think, well, Joan Collins is the big star in this. Joan Collins in this movie is not a good person. She doesn't do a lot. So she has to get her comeuppance. But Joan Collins is really good at playing those type of characters. And you always want to see her get her comeuppance, right? So she does, of course. Um, and then uh, so she's attacked and killed while Joe... <laughs> Gets a gasoline truck and just opens it up unless the gasoline start pouring out of the back of the truck. Right, and he, as he's circling the, uh, the, the, refinery. the refinery. Right, and then 
he jumps out, he, he probably, and he sends it into the refinery where he lights the gasoline on fire, and the refinery sets on fire, and you're like, okay, of course, of course they're setting everything on fire. They're now burning it all down. Because that's the only thing they've seen that's going to work. And obviously, no one has any guns or anything like this. The sheriff has guns, but no one's shooting the ants. And as Dad said, the last 10, 15 minutes of this movie, it kind of is where this movie kind of goes bananas. But this is the best part of the movie. Because you're, if you're watching Empire of the Ants going, you know what? I really love Citizen Kane. And I need something on Citizen Kane level. I don't think you're getting it here. Rosebud. I'm just saying. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. Um, it's it's the sled. Anyway, so um, the the whole thing is like, this is where this movie, you know, makes its 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 bones. This this doesn't even hide the fact. This is what people came for. People went to the drive-in to see this. To see giant ants, fire, ants killing people, whatever. And, you know, I know some of you were saying... Man, this movie sounds crazy, and you're like, and you're thinking like, well, we just did the Incredible Melting Man a few weeks ago, right? And you're like, well, Incredible Melting Man was just a spoof made into a horror movie, and then my favorite parts were literally the janitor cleaning him up at the end. But this movie was designed exactly this way. There was no like, let's make it a comedy and let's change it up. This is exactly B Bird Eye Gordon's vision. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming he would love to have had better special effects, but this was his oh, vision. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, the thing is, so. that's, that's where, that's where the, if, if the movie had better special effects, you, you might, you might, you know, disregard some yeah. of the, some of the, I mean, the opening of the movie, the first 20 minutes, I said it was oh, ridiculous. Reminded me of a, of a TV, so, you know, daytime soap opera. Yeah. That, because sure enough, and if you watch any, watch any, back in the seventies, they were really popular. They're still popular today, but but back in the 70s, in the daytime soap opera, <clears throat> there was the good girl, the bad girl, the good guy, the bad guy, yep. and then there were the other ones. And everybody had an angle. And that's exactly what, what that opening was. Right, yeah. Maybe that was what he was going for, you know, because that was what the, the De Regeer stuff was of the day. So, just real quick. So, um, obviously, this was the third Bird Eye Gordon film to claim to be based off of H.G. Wells' work, even though actually all three of his films had little or nothing to do with it, more than just the title. Um, and a little loose idea, right? Um, he also, this was the eighth film Bird Eye Gordon did with giant monsters as the subject matter. Um, you could have, you, as you couldn't tell from whatever. Um, report, supposedly, Joan Collins was paid $45,000 to do this movie. It's at 1977 money, so that's not, I mean, it's not the rock money, but okay, but who gets the rock money but the mm -hmm. rock, right? Um, and that's pretty good, you know, um, amount of, you know, paid for this. Um, this film was actually not released in the UK until 1979 uh, when it played on a, a, a double feature with the, with a movie called The Brinks Job. But they actually held this back, right? And you're thinking like, why, right? There's nothing. So for those of you who don't know about, well, some people don't know this. There is, there is a really great documentary called The Video Nasties. And if you've never seen the documentary called The Video Nasties, if you're interested in British um, censorship and like horror movies and stuff. You should go seek out the documentary. It's a t there's there's two volumes. They're like multiple discs each. Then they have British film historians who are horror you know, historians talking about each of the movies individually. And then there, there's the banned movies. Then there are ones who were partially banned. Empire of the Ants was never on that list. 
Like, those movies were like The Burning, Friday the 13th, Halloween. Like, those are the kind of, like, zombie. Those things are banned. There's women getting ripped apart. There's guys losing their eyes, whatever. Th this movie was never banned. I think it just was not distributed over there because they were like, are you sure you want to send this here? Right? But it went over there, and I'm sure it made money. I'm sure it made money because it's on a double feature. It's, you know, it's a Saturday matinee, whatever kind right. of thing. And the great part about Empire of the Ants is they can show this movie on television and not have to cut anything out. There's no swearing. There's no nudity. You know, well, just that one quick scene where uh, the the, uh, the the husband and the, and, the, and, the, and the single girl are standing by the tree. Well, there's no nudity, nudity. No, no, but he, but he, he gropes her. He gropes does. Her. Right. But that stuff still flies nowadays. I mean, come on. It's, you know, it's, it's, I mean, that stuff on TV would be okay. And, and this was, this movie was never cut. It just had commercials no, inserted. Right, yeah. Um, and plus at this, at the 78 minute running time, it fits really well in a two hour time slot with the commercials. Oh, I should say 1980s to slash early 90s commercials. Not nowadays. Yeah. Now this is a two and a half hour time slot because we need an extra half an hour of commercials. So for those of you who know me, I just wanted to throw this out there to you. You know that I'm not looking to pay extra for anything I don't really need, right? I watched one episode of Bob's Burgers on Hulu. I then went to the computer and paid an additional $6 a month not to have commercials anymore mm. on Hulu because I could not imagine watching. I, I can't Im Peacock has very short commercials. I know we're getting off topic here, but yeah. Peacock has very short commercials. They're either at most are 60 seconds. Most of them, they're 45 to 30. It's not the end of the world. Man, we're sitting through like four or five minutes of commercials on Hulu. Mm. Like, this is a waste of time. I could just watch, I could just DVR this thing and get through it. Anyway, that's not Empire of the Ants. Empire of the Ants was shown a lot on, like I said, on TBS. Luke and I saw this many a time, like on the Friday night. Um, what was that called? It wasn't called Up All Night. Well, no, eventually it was Up All Night. Up All Night with Rhonda Shear and originally with Gilbert Godfrey um, were on USA. And right. those, th we saw, I mean, you saw all kinds of movies on there. I mean, things that make this look like Academy Award level, like the schlock they used to show. But the whole point was, it was to watch whatever movies. This is not the kind of stuff that Joe Bob's Brig would use to show on Monster Vision. Then he would, they, you would see, you would see, I mean, sometimes when it was on, because TNT showed Monster Vision, they would show movies they had rights to. And I'm not saying this wasn't one of those things, but this is something that USA would show on their whatever movie. This falls in the same realm as the movies like Kingdom of the Spiders. Right. And like, they would show those 70s movies because they had Easy distribution rights. They had the rights to them. They just went and put them out there. They had some name, some name yeah, actors. Yeah, Even if they might just be for a Their TV grant. name. Yeah, yeah, again, but their TV names, and that's fine, because you're showing this on television. And this is actually a movie that if you had this on on a Friday night, and you're getting back, and it's like, let's say it starts at 10 o'clock at night, whatever, and you're getting back in, whatever, late, and this is on, and you're eating some pizza, and whatever, it's not the end of the world. You have to remember, though, and this is some people remember that, is that don't always know this, because we talk about this all the time when we do on The Vault, our horror rack hangers on, which is the movies like um, uh, like uh, Return of the Living Dead. And like, like the movie, when you were going to a VH, remember like, so I know you didn't go to Blockbuster. Remember like the old video store, yeah. right? You go in and the covers caught you. Like, man, look right, at that cover. Yeah, yeah. Like some of those covers were better than the movie. Like way better than the movie. Like oh, ghoulies. Sure. Well, that was um, the whole, that's the whole thing with the, with the, with the poster art. Yeah. The poster is what sucked you in. Right. And then when you, then when you saw the movie. They already had your money. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the poster for this has the, has the woman getting attacked by the ant. It's right. whatever. Like we would see this again, like slugs. Um, well, slugs actually has the skull with it, but it's on vein, uh, on the, on, I think it's the nest. Like there's scenes of like, that's not even in the movie. Like nothing like that even close to happens. Like there's no giant cockroach. Like, but that's the whole point. 
The Food of the Gods poster is very similar to this. It's got the rat holding the woman on the branch. That doesn't happen in the film. But like the idea, though, it was all about that cover art. This is the kind of movie where if you had a video store in the 80s and you're going down the aisle of all the horror stuff and you got like Food of the Gods, Empire of the Ants, whatever, like this thing stuck out. And it stuck out as being different. It's a painted poster. It's not, you know, it's not a, a, an actual shot sure. of it. You know, it's not it's not the Friday the 13th. Now, the Friday the 13th covers were the, the original is the silhouette with all the the campers and the hand with the knife. Very classic. But then later you would get like the, the you know, the cover for like four, three, four, five, you know, whatever kind of thing. They were very much very specific to the movie, but it always had Friday the 13th. The Nightmare on Elm Streets were all those great posters. These would go back to the 70s posters. And when you look at the 70s posters, a lot of them make the movie look, you know, like, oh, this looks interesting. This looks good. Even like the poster for Frogs, which got the frog with the hand hanging out of its mouth. You're like, I don't know what this is. I want to see what this looks like. Oh, Sam Elliott's in here. Ray Milland, you know, that's a weird combo, you know. Um, hopefully one of them takes their shirt off and not the other guy, which is true. <laughs> Sam Elliott does take his shirt off. Um, but like, you, you know, like that's what this was sold on. This in a, in a, in a, in a theater lobby next week, Empire of the Ants with, and then whatever. Like, that sells you. And that's one of the greatest things when you look back at poster art um, from the 50s into the 60s into the 70s. The, the, they, they, they talk about the lost art of posters and how it all became just, you know, everyone knows what I'm going to say here. It's the screen poster. It's the black background with the faces that all kind of blend. I mean, how many horror movies in the 90s had that exact same thing. Urban Legends, and I know you did Last Summer, and it all came the same. This is part of the lost thing. You took you, you took H.G. Wells as a name, great, it has nothing to do with his stuff. Bird Eye Gordon, so it's going to be made on the cheap. You got, uh, what do you call That's not even, that's that's the alternate poster. That, yeah. That's it. That's the one with, that shows Joan Collins. The actual poster doesn't even show that. But the idea is that, you know, you start getting into um, what happened, you know, when you start looking at that's the actual poster. Uh, it's at yeah. the ant grabbing one girl. That never happens in the film. Um, but the idea is that, you know, it was, okay, let's go see this thing. And they sucked you in. So you're saying is, but Jay, this is not really that crazy a movie to end the year on. And like I said earlier, Incredible Melting Man might be worse than this by way of story. Right. But Incredible Melting Man was a comedy that became a horror movie. And Rick Baker's special effects are dynamite in that film. And even though the story's not great, his special effects are really what that film's known for and the legacy, obviously, of the, the idea of him melting yeah. and getting stronger as he melts. Empire of the Ants is just... Because I came down to either doing Empire of the Ants or Tentacles. And I was considering on the fence about which one to do. And I said, Empire of the Ants is just crazy enough to be the year-end movie, yeah. right? <laughs> because think about it. We did, like, last year, remember we, when we did... Um, Iron Sky. Right. And then we have oh. to end the year with Iron Sky 2 because as nuts as Iron Sky is, Iron, Iron Sky, Sky 2 says, here, here, hold my coffee, or here, hold my beer. I'm going to show you crazy because yeah. that movie's nuts. And that's great. That was well, but, yeah. but, it, but think of how nuts that is. Yeah. And if you made that movie in the 1970s, right? Think about Iron Sky made in the 70s, right? Because there was a lot of like, like uh, you know, there were movies made about Nazis and they were the bad guys. I mean, you could still make those movies back in the day, Right. Think about if they had to have Adolf Hitler riding a Tyrannosaurus Rex on the moon on a moon base in the 1970s. What would that have looked like? Probably Bird Eye Gordon directing it. It would look like this, yeah. you know, kind of thing. You know, it, it, it's you know, you talk, we we discussed this movie. Uh, yeah. Is it worthwhile watching? Yes, if you can get it for free. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy a, a DVD or. Well, I own the Blu-ray. Yeah, but I, so 
And I'm glad I had the I, I have the the midnight movies uh, double feature yep. on on DVD. I'm glad I watched it there. One thing that we didn't mention here, and and you you sort of alluded to it a little bit by saying that Joan Collins was paid forty five thousand dollars. That was her, uh, yeah. That was her. That was her payment. So that's probably the most that anybody got. So whatever the whatever the rest of the cast got. Yep. But when you watch this movie, you will notice that they are in muddy, murky water. For about mm-hmm. a third of the film, yep. And so they're not. It's not just somebody's hosing them down. They are in whatever that that river was, on, on and they come out supposedly filthy. But the next scene, Joan Collins has got her makeup on, and yeah. only at the end of the movie, towards the end of the movie, before she gets killed, does she look like she's dirty a little bit. But I, I'm watching this, and I, I've said, I said, can any of these? I go, oh, and the thing is, Robert Lansing, when he jumps off the boat. He's, they show him actually swimming a really long distance. Yep. It, it wasn't two strokes and they cut away. He's And he's got full clothes on. Yeah, at least he took his shoes. No, he took his shoes off. Oh, that's right. He took his shoes off at least because I'm thinking like, this guy's going down. Right. Because you but, can't swim in shoes. That's so hard. Saying, so they earned... No, in their pay. They yeah. earned all the shekels that they got. Yeah, and Joan Collins it was very open about hating working on the movie. Hated working with the prop heads because they scuffed her up and cut her right. and stuff, and they were too rough with her. And with didn't like that she didn't like doing this, but she needed a payday. Well, so I just want to share with you the tagline for this movie. And you're thinking like, now there's other the one tagline that I love for this: see a dynasty of ants terrorize Joan Collins because Joan Collins is from Dynasty, Dynasty. right? Which is uh, exactly, uh, you know, they see, they knew where their bread was buttered. They knew what they were doing. And again, the $45,000 they paid her, this movie, again, you think like this movie couldn't have made any money. Two and a half million dollars wasn't bad money for 1977 for a Bird Eye Gordon movie. You're thinking like, but Jay, that's not like Jaws money or Star Wars money. Like, okay, it's not even, it's not even Kong 76 money, but it's like, Shockingly, Kong seventy six cost way more to make than this. Yeah, you know. Well, the thing so, is, I don't think any. Uh, uh, no one thought they were making a blockbuster. Right, and, this and is. Nobody, a, a, I can tell you this much: uh, nobody was actually waiting for this movie to come no, out. Exactly, it was one of those, like you said, it caught your eye when you were coming out of the yeah. movie lo- into the lobby right. after you've seen another movie, and that's what brought it to you. But there was no, there were no. Um, TV ads? No, and, the, and yeah, no, the, that's just nothing. There probably was there probably were some ads in in the in the local newspapers, but it wasn't like it was in the fifties and the sixties, no. yeah. where where the if like give you an example, down I still have the uh, the full page Rodan no, uh, sure, in yeah. the Daily News, and it's it was an insert yeah in the on the Sunday paper, and it, it for those of you who don't remember in New York. The Sunday paper was it was a five pound edition. Whether it was the Daily News or the New York Times or the uh, the Journal American or whatever, because they had you had a comic section, you had a sports section, you had a an editorial section, and you had all the ads for the week. Yeah. And 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 the but the inserts for movies were full page, fold out, yeah, fold out, and. For some reason, I saved that one because it's got Rodan, and they have C, Rodan, you know, blow. Yeah, well, honestly, the American American, uh, production stuff for the the posters of Rodan did a really good job of capturing parts of the movie. movie. It wasn't just Rodan on the cover. But if you think about about this, Bird Eye Gordon, if you want to think, again, whatever you might think of the movie itself... Think about the Amazing Colossal Man poster, the War of the Colossal Beast poster, even the Spider, like things like that. Like those posters 
were like, whoa, look at this. Like, this is a giant guy in a diaper. This is a giant guy in a diaper with half a face. Like, you know, um, but those things, they caught your eye. And, it, and these movies are not being made for, like, these these are made for kids. I mean, I mean, I understand this is rated whatever, R or whatever it might be. It can be rated, right? But, like, um, you know, the whole idea was this wasn't just, you know, they, they needed to have, uh, what do you call it? You needed to have you know, customers and your customers were teenagers or, you know, young kids, whatever, come see this thing. So anyway, all right, folks, I think we've talked about empire of the ants about as much as we can talk about empire of the ants. Um, you know, and this wraps up 2022, obviously in 2023, we got, we got a whole bunch of stuff we're looking to do. There's going to be the, 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 the end of the dark room. And then of course, nightmare will follow, uh, one month. I'm not, we're not sure yet on timing yet on those things, but um, for those of you who are still wanting to watch the last couple episodes of Dark Room, make sure you get them watched so we don't ruin it for you because, you know, I hate spoiling a 40-year-old right. TV show that no one watched 40 years ago. Um, and then Nightmares, uh, there's actually a really beautiful uh, Blu-ray out by Shout Factory if you're interested in that. And make sure you get the right Nightmares because there's two different ones. Right. The one with the lady on the front holding the shard of glass, wrong Nightmares. Right. I think that is an Italian movie. I don't remember the name of that off the top of my head, but it's clearly not the right Nightmares. This one's got like eyes and hands and whatever. Anyway, um, but next time, her dad and I are going to be uh, coming back at you in January and we're going to start the year off, turn the clock back a little further than the 70s. We're going back to How to Make a Monster, the third... Right. In the because we already covered I was Teenage Werewolf, Luke and I covered how I was Teenage Frankenstein. So now we got to cover the third movie in this set, which is How to Make a Monster, which ironically is very different than the other two, but yet still has the same monsters in it. Um, and it's much more about make makeups and stuff like that, which is really a cool movie. Actually, a really nice Blu ray edition is out. If you've never seen it, there's um, it, it, they, they cleaned it up enough where you can actually appreciate what's going on. I think it used to be a free on YouTube and things like that, and it probably is out there, but those tend to be a little murkier and darky, but you know, kind of thing, but whatever. So, all right, folks, so that about does it for us. Uh, again, like I said, wrapping up 2022, we hope everyone had a great year. We hope your 2023 is better than your 2022. Um, and obviously, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, if uh, hey, did you see Empire of the Ants? Were you at a drive in? Um, and and, and I mean, uh, just saying is depending on what age you were, if you were at a drive and you actually watched the movie, I'm asking what you actually were doing there, yeah. um, kind of thing. So, did you see Empire of the Ants? Do you remember this from are you of the right age where you used to watch this on like Super Scary Saturday or um, Captain? Captain USA video. That was the other show right. um, with the guy who looked like Snyder from uh, uh, One Day at a Time, but it wasn't. Um, did, or did you watch this like on like uh, you know Up All Night or on like when USA would show these? They would tout the movie all week, or whatever. Uh, do you have any memories of this? We'd love to hear from you. So send us you know feedback. We'll read it on the show um, and go from there. All right. So we're good with this. Um, so. Like we say, ladies and gentlemen, keep those cards and letters coming and keep watching the skies. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which up until a few days ago was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, 
Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. This has been an episode of Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. If you'd like to contact me, please email the show at botsbugsbabes at gmail.com. If you'd like to find me online, I'm on Facebook under my name, Jason Jacknetti. I often contribute to the Two True Freaks Facebook group. You can visit my Facebook page, The Art of Horror Collective, and you can search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective. On Instagram... Find me under my name, Jason Jacknetti, and search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective, as well as the new hashtag, Bots, Bugs, Babes Podcast. I'm the only one using them. I'm also on Twitter, at Jason Jacknetti, and you can visit my webpage at www.theartofhorrorcollective.wordpress.com. All movies, characters, stories, music, etc. are properties of their respective holders. This is a fan work, and any use of any property is purely for review, discussion, entertainment. So don't sue me. I ain't got anything anyway. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Will you stop?